Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of Behind the Painting, a show which aims to explore the side of the art world we don't normally get to see. Two episodes ago, we spoke to the lawyer James Aldridge, who spoke about what was needed to identify a forgery. He mentioned in the interview that along with technical analysis and provenance, sometimes an expert's view was needed to identify a forgery. In this episode, you'll hear from art historian Benjamin Walton, who kindly agreed to speak to me about art attribution. While not directly related to forgery, attribution is a skill that's needed in identifying a forgery, but is more commonly used when deciding which artist from a particular school painted what. Here's Benjamin Walton describing what art attribution is and why it's needed. There's not always a clear document from an artist's studio about what works they produced and when they produced them. And as art historians, we're presented with the works that survive and attribution um, is the, the skill or the act of saying this object that we have was created or we think it was created by this person or by another. And, you know, so we say this is by Titian or by Giorgione. I guess it's necessary because when we think about an artist, we want to think about the works they produced. And when thinking about the works they produced, we want that to be an accurate representation of them, rather than being watered down by works who either uh, works produced by people other than themselves, either their students or their contemporaries, or indeed by people far later than them trying to produce works in the style of them. Of course, attribution isn't always necessary. Sometimes we have a clear provenance leading back to the original owners to help us identify a painting. If a modern artist is just painting in the style of an old master, we can easily identify this using modern technical analysis, where attribution is more useful when we know when a painting was painted, we just don't know exactly who did it. Benjamin puts it better than I ever could. Technical analysis can tell you about perhaps, um, let's say if, it's X, if you're using X-rays, what work has done has been done underneath the surface that you can see. It can, if you're looking at a cross-section of the paint used, it can tell you when paint was applied and in what order. It can even tell you maybe where the paint has come from by looking at its chemical structure. Those things might also be able to help you, or and other technical means might be able to tell you when the painting has been made. But essentially that tells us what materials were available, what the general process used was, and when it was done. But that doesn't narrow down precisely whether it was done by an artist or by one of their contemporaries, painting at the same time, using similar materials, even in the same city, um, or indeed by their school or by their students. Can you just give us a quick definition of like what a school is, what it would entail? Like, So for much of the Renaissance and indeed through art history up until about the 1850s in the Western world, and even later with, with some, an artist would have um, a workshop. The artists themselves would have trained from a young age as an apprentice. In fact, most of their, the equivalent of um, the schooling that you receive now would instead have been dedicated almost entirely to practical work and the study of um, the master uh, and old masters before them. And in this workshop, a young apprentice would originally learn practical things like stretching a canvas and mixing paints 
And then if they demonstrated a certain level of skill, they'd be given great and great responsibility in actually creating an artwork. And that might start at preparing drawings and then later on into perhaps even painting backgrounds or minor figures. And then if they get particularly good, they might produce full copies of the master's work or set up a workshop on their own. And one of the intended outcomes of this long apprenticeship and is working under a master is that they should be able to mimic exactly that artist's work. Um, which, as you can now imagine, means that attribution um, if you have a, is tricky if you have a particularly gifted student who has been trained to mimic their master. One thing I wondered when hearing this was whether the specifics really mattered. Isn't it good enough to just know which school painted something? After all, as Benjamin said, the paintings were often joint works with apprentices filling in background details. I posed this question to Benjamin. Partly it's to do with... Uh, value I mean I suppose now it's partly to do with commercial value we'd like if you were to purchase um, a Picasso you'd be ups- well actually no it's slightly different. he didn't really work with a workshop but if you were to purchase a Rembrandt you'd probably be slightly miffed if it was um, painted by someone else um, academically as well if we like to look at the uh, I try to understand the motives behind an artist's work, um, how they think, what they're trying to express, what their general concerns were. Well, those motives, those concerns, maybe become slightly less pure, um, slightly less clearly understood, if we have other influences upon their work, um, which we see as, but, but but in work which we see as their own. How? What skills are needed to um, identify work by an old master? to perform attributions? Well, it is... Um, the first thing you need to do is to spend an awfully long time looking at works which are commonly thought to be by that master. There's no substitute just for looking and spending time with a work. Very rarely, actually, do we ever, particularly now when, if we're on a computer screen, um, there are constant pop-ups on the side, on ad bars, or even if you're waiting for a bus... The image that you see isn't um, on the advert isn't static, it's a moving thing on the tube. We're used to uh, being bombarded with changing images constantly, and rarely do we sit and look at an artwork for a minute, five, ten, maybe even an hour. And there's no substitute for just spending time with the works that you're sure are by that master. Because in the end, attribution is ultimately subjective. As we've explained, there are some chemical tests which can give you some evidence, whether it's painted at the right time, in the right place perhaps, or even um, if we know that, for example, Titian painted with a, or typically painted with a certain process, layering paints in a certain manner, we can understand if this painting does follow that manner. But in the end, attribution is subjective. You pick up by looking at an artwork a knowledge of the typical gesture of that artist or the type of subject matter they might likely choose, how they might treat it, whether they will try to invest a certain emotive quality in the work or otherwise, how they treat light or colour. These things, um, they're a little bit nebulous and intangible on, on occasion, hence the subjectivity.
a professor of mine explained to me that when I mean he was a professor of Titian, he had seen in the flesh about 350 of the three to 400 works that are thought to be by Titian. He knew them very well, and he'd studied scholarship around the works. But he said if he walked into a gallery, into a room, and saw a work on a wall, he would know with instinct, by instinct, almost immediately, if that was a Titian or not. Such was his confidence. In the same way he explained that if you were to sit at a a table having breakfast in the morning and someone walked in the room, you would know if it was your mother or father or sister walking into that room, even without looking up. It was a matter of instinct. That's partly from intense study and then it's partly from the confidence of having seen so many and hence being able to also say whether a work was or was not by the artist. Attribution isn't a foolproof science, however, and it can go wrong. We rely on people's eye to attribute a painting to one artist or another. Benjamin explains why this might go wrong and how this would affect buyers and sellers of paintings. One of the things which influences attribution is fashion. In the 19th century, Giorgione was more popular than Titian. In the 20th and 21st century, Titian's more popular than Giorgione. They have similar styles, painted at similar times. Giorgione probably taught Titian. So there is overlap of, of, um, of, of their work. Um, fashion dictated that if in doubt, a work in the 19th century by one of the two artists was attributed to Giorgione, and now they're typically attributed to Titian. Um, fashion is, is something. Um, there's only, a, with some artists, a select body of scholars, of experts, who seem to be able to authenticate a work by a master's hand or, or not. Even if other scholars in the community might say otherwise, the larger community will rely on just a few scholars. Um, and they may have some political or even commercial um, reason why to attribute a work to an artist or, or, or not. One pitfall of incorrect attribution that we see in the courts um, is we see it particularly in, um, in auction houses and occasionally maybe in gallery dealerships where a, someone who's purchased an artwork um, feels deceived when they have paid X million for a work by a master and are then told, actually, I'm afraid it's not by that master after all. Um, and understandably, they've been given something under false pretenses, and that, that is a, a just legal matter based on the, the, the commercial work. Um, I guess misattribution can lead to a feeling of deception. Well, thank you very much Great pleasure. for um, joining us today. Real pleasure. Um, thanks, for, thanks for chatting. Being quite naive, the aspect of attribution as being used to build up the intellectual image of an artist is the side that appeals to me more. But the cynical side of me knows that attribution is more useful for its commercial value. Next episode, we'll be delving even more into the commercial side of art with a look at auction houses and the process of selling art. As always, if you have any tips or contributions, please email thomas.underhill at westminster.org.uk. Thanks for listening.